more focus you can create from the motivation that you have is, um, I think that's what is the biggest mental practice that's helped me is because I've always just felt like I've been able to understand that, man, today and now is the thing that matters. How am I going to make the most of it right now? Hello, well, you listeners. Welcome back for another amazing episode. We had the opportunity to sit down with professional baseball pitcher Eric Sakula to discuss the mental game of pitching as a closer. We're honored to hear his story, as well as some of his tips and tricks he has to offer. Eric's story is amazing. His first love of sport was basketball. However, he ultimately ended up in baseball. He graduated from Marshall University, where he was the first pitcher at Marshall to be named to the first team All-Conference USA. After college, he was drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays. And after a stint with the Blue Jays, Eric found himself playing in the Atlantic Professional Baseball League. He began to lose some of the love of the sport, and he ended his baseball career to pursue a career in real estate. Amazingly, his love and calling led him to return to baseball, and he ended up playing all over the world in areas like Puerto Rico, Colombia, Venezuela, Australia, and Canada. He has a love and compassion for baseball and the overseas experience, which led him to work for baseball jobs overseas. Please welcome me in introducing Eric Sakula. All right, so uh, we have Eric Sakula here today. We're so uh, honored to have him on the podcast. Um, and uh, we're really interested and curious to hear his story and for Eric to give us some kind of knowledge from from his background in in baseball. Um, so welcome to the show, Eric. Thanks, Ami. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. And I love your name because we both share unique names. My name is Ami, and uh, most people would typically read that and say Amy. Uh, and <laughs> and so uh, Sekula, uh, I love it. Um, yeah, yeah. Such a cool name. Where is that Sekula from? So there's a country in Romania called Secula, S-E-C-U-L-A, so Austria, Hungary. And I think that's pretty interesting about the name, too. I always tell people that I have unique names. Oh, we're in a cool name club. And, uh, <laughs> it, it, there's something interesting about that dynamic whenever you have a, a name that you like about yourself that's unique. Some people can kind of find it maybe, oh, I've got this name that I don't like about a middle name maybe you don't like or a last name or a first name. But I think taking pride in having that, like, excited about your name is, man, that's, there's a lot to that, I think, that uh, that I like and that I've always had about myself. I like the unique spelling, and I take, you know, I'm unique. I, I like to think that way. Yeah, I think that is, uh, that's just such a, such a cool little um, conversation starter, too. You know, like, where'd you, where, where's your name from? Um <laughs> I wanted to jump into, um, you know, I just like everybody to get to know you and your background and your story um, on your journey to baseball. And I, and I, you know, I know a little bit and I, I, I think it's interesting so that there's a lot of common features that uh, athletes share in their journey. And um, I can probably point to that as we go along. But could you just give us like an overview and um, of how you arrived at where you are? Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, like your background as well, we come from multi-sport backgrounds. I think that's where that a lot of professional athletes come from. And I grew up playing every sport. I'm the youngest of six kids. So anything that you could go outside and play, we're going to come up with some rules to make it a game, whether it's just jumping on a trampoline. Okay, let's come up with some rules of 
how to make this game as fun as can be. So it was just the, kind of the playing every single game as possible as a kid, trying to be as good as I could at all of those from backyard wiffle ball baseball to playing golf in the front yard and trying to play as many games as I could. And in, even in high school, it didn't stop. I played tennis, golf, basketball, cross-country baseball, and it was all sports all the time. And it's just the physical fitness side of it was something that I really loved, and I loved the com- competition within sports. And as I grew up, it just was – I was good at baseball and basketball, and it just kind of weeded itself out to which sport I was best at and which I stood out at most. My junior year, I was the state player of the year in West Virginia, won a state championship, and then senior year as well, a state player of the year. So then I got a scholarship to go to Marshall University. Um, and then I, after four years there, I always wanted to continue to play multi-sports. I always wanted to play intramural, bas- intramural basketball, intramural kickball, but my co- college coach quickly told me, listen, if you're a a D1 athlete, you are not playing in the intramural. So it was a little disappointing to hear that, but um, I, I continued to stick to baseball at that point whenever I was 18 or 19 years old. And then when I got drafted by the Blue Jays, it's yeah, strictly baseball all the time. They even have it in a contract that says you're not allowed to play other sports in the off season. And even though they're not paying you, which is interesting in the minor leagues, they, they still have control over what sports you can and can't play. But yeah, I, I always thought that the multi-sport and playing basketball especially really builds athleticism and, and helps. And I, I think that's kind of the history for me. It's just kind of been a sport, a sport player and more so yeah. more than it is specifically a baseball pitcher. Baseball pitcher. That's what I wanted to share with everyone because, because baseball, every, every sport has a unique kind of physical and mental mindset or physical skills that you need in that position. And, and obviously baseball uh, you know, pitching requires a, a unique set of tools and relieving uh, on top of that is even another uh, set of tools, which we'll get into. But I, I really can relate and like what you uh, are saying about multi-sports and there's even research out there. We won't go into all of that, but that shows that, you know, athletes that play multiple sports, uh, they just have cross crossover that it, uh, helps their, their primary sport. Um, I can relate to that and basketball because I love basketball myself and uh, it didn't work out for me. <laughs> I, I, I saw that you it said in your bio semi-pro basketball player. Where, what was that? Where yeah. That, yeah. That was in Los Angeles. I was in Los Angeles and um, yeah, I wanted to go, you know, take it as far as I could. And, but uh, unfortunately a tour ACL and um, oh. yeah, the ACLs are, those are part of sports for, for basketball players. Unfortunately, I mean, all players, but, um, but it definitely, uh, you know, shows the experience of how one sport can, can go over to another. And when I was looking at your story, it, it's, it's so unique to a lot of other stories because your body, right. Has a lot to do in some regards to your sport, like basketball was the sport that you really wanted to, but found out when you stopped growing. And we've heard this from a lot of other athletes on our podcast that like in some way or another body, your physical presence had something to do with your sport. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I, I was dominant in middle school. I was probably my size when I was in middle school, my middle school team never lost a game. I had a, I remember winning our County championship and I had a quadruple double in steals, points, rebounds, just 
Yeah, it's from a young age. I was the grown kid that grew too quickly, so I could dominate basketball. And when I was at 12, I played in a three-on-three basketball tournament, won our city, county, state in California. I grew up in Northern California in Chico. And and then Western Regionals, go to the national championship game and play. And, yeah, I was just the, the big kid. But then you definitely have those limiting factors because, okay, I – I can see how many 5'10 players are there in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, it really takes a, you know, you have to have a realistic outlook on, on your future. You can't just kind of be sure, you know, you got to be creative and uh, want to make it to the top. But you've got to also know the chances of that. Not Although being a professional baseball player is tough as well, being a 5'10 basketball player wasn't the... More challenges. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think that's an interesting point for a lot of the younger athletes coming up is like um, understanding everybody's journey and route to where they arrived at. And I think there isn't a set template. I mean, some some athletes know at the age of five, the dream is to become, you know, a quarterback. I, I think Tom's Tom Brady's story was, you know, five years old. He dreamed he wanted to be, you know, a professional quarterback. And that that was it. And it was it was, you know, all the way to the end. What? Yeah, what is your uh, outlook when you look back on how you arrived at the competitive level, at the professional level? Um, was it in super intentional? Was it a dream? Was it was it something that kind of, you know, cultivated as you went? Wow, I think a combination of all that that you say that. I remember my brother was telling me when I was maybe eleven or twelve, dominating that basketball scene, like, oh, so what college are you going to go to, UNC or Duke? And it's just like having that initial thought of okay well I'm going to be at the best the top level I'm it's not even a I want to pursue this in high school I want to pursue this maybe in college it's okay I'm going to go to the college rank I'm going to go to the best school and that was kind of a mindset I think that older brothers had established in me and competing against older people and when you can compete the more that they can kind of instill that confidence in you from a young age it's not about man, I hope my next game goes well, or I hope this next season I can make the team or anything like that. Cause you're already thought about, man, I'm five levels past that. I'm, I'm thinking about which colleges to go to. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's cultivated in that way that you say that and definitely a dream as well. If you watch whenever you can watch professional sports on TV. And I, I think that was always a dream of mine. And it, it's pretty funny. Sometimes I think I wish I would have been a little more specific with my dreams. Cause I think if I would have said, man, I, I, I think I always wanted when I was a kid to be a professional baseball player and travel the world. But I wish I kind of would have been like, man, I wish I want to win all the World Series, you know, and just like focused a little bit more on like the highest of the high level as opposed to just being like, man, I want to be a professional baseball player. I want to be and I think that's what some of the best people do is they focus. I want to be the best of the best at the highest level. And I wish I kind of from a younger age would have been a little more specific with that envisioning from the start i think that's a that's a huge piece and i'm so happy that you're able to speak on that like you you know you sound very humble in your you know in your reflection of of your sport and and we we talk about that a lot here in well you because we want to learn right we want all athletes to learn we're constantly trying to learn and like creating a vision you know box bigger than you can ever imagine is is a great um tool that we we try to like present in our app you know when we're trying to teach mental skills training and um it doesn't always occur right you know it doesn't we don't always reach this grand scheme uh or vision we have but um but why not put it on the table right 
For sure. And a lot of the time it's just a flicker in your mind, you know, and it'll come and go like when you're dominating a game and you're the best and you can think that for maybe a minute or two and then it kind of goes by the wayside and you'll think about it again a week or two later. Man, but, you know, well, you, the app is, has it noted everything you have to note about that dream. So it's, it's nice. It's almost like I've always heard of vision boards and something you want to create in the future. This is kind of something like that, but a lot more engaging and interactive and having it detailed is something that to come back to day in and day out is very important. So it isn't just a thought today and then you go by your whole week and not think about it again. The more you can envision it, the more you can ingrain it into you, the, and the more you start to believe it and you start to have that confidence. And it's essential because the best players in the world have it. And if you're not doing that, somebody else is. And you'll quickly find that up the, the higher you go. Yeah, and I, I, um, I think it's something we can all learn from and, and apply to our game in some regard. Um, I wanted to jump into uh, just your experiences because they're so unique. They're international, you know, and I think I think that's, that's the bond of sport that ties us together uh, across all cultures, races, um, everything, is when sport can just pierce right through everything pretty quickly. Um, so can you, can you speak on just your, your kind of international cultural experience playing baseball? Like, what is that like? And, you know, maybe speak to the dynamics of you know, transitioning from culture to culture. Uh, you, you, you probably have a lot of experience at this point with that. Yeah, completely. And baseball definitely can do that. We saw it just with uh, when 9-11 happened and they wanted to get baseball going. They feel the same way now with America's pastime. Got to get that going because, like you said, it kind of cuts through all of the challenges that society faces. So yeah, sport definitely does that from culture to culture. And for me, it's so unique to see the different cultures and how they take the same sport, but apply their culture to it. One of my favorite things is just going into Latin America and watching them play baseball. They've almost started to take over the American game. And I'd like that because the American structured baseball is very by the book. Don't do anything to almost like PC, don't say anything mm-hmm. wrong, but it's like that way on the field as well. Don't show too much character. Don't show up your opponent. And man, the Latins, I think, see the complete opposite. They don't see it as showing up. They, I want to make the fans, but I'm going to take my time to get into the box. I'm going to have as much flair as I can have, but it's not, it's, it's just about having fun and having the fans have a good time. The fans are beating drums. You know, it's a party, it's a festival. And I think that's, that's the event style that makes sports a lot more entertaining than the American style of baseball, which is very much sit down, analyze the game, um, just a little more straightforward. So yeah, definitely uh, Latin and Central America have that flair. Um, and then in Europe, it's grown. Europe and Australia, the game isn't as big. It's almost a second tier or third tier sport there. So they ask a lot more questions and are a lot more inquisitive and aren't as, um, you know, don't have that flair, don't have that confidence because they weren't playing it from five years old. A lot of those uh, Latin players, they play it from the time they're four or five years old with a, you know, milk carton and uh, just a, a bad ball in a street and a stick. And I think whenever you can play in those tough conditions, that makes you so much better mm-hmm. when you get older. And uh, in these other cultures, they kind of are learning the game at maybe a slower speed. Whenever you have to find the game and learn the game, 
whenever you have to adapt to make a glove, adapt to make a stick, you can see kind of why the trends in baseball are kind of turning to a, a lot more Latin players in the game. And man, it's fun to watch how Javi Baez is one of my favorite players in the game just because he plays the game with so much energy and so much a fun part of the game that isn't as robotic. I don't want to say like uh, just structured, you know, he's just like a kid out there playing a game. And those are the kind of players that are exciting and fun to watch. And I try to emulate that as well. I really like Marcus Stroman, just a lot of guys that show a little more flair and character because it shows it a little more personality to yourself more than just, okay, I'm a mechanical person trying to, do the most just trying to function the best in this game it's like i just want to have fun and compete with my friends yeah yeah that's what i hear that's what i'm hearing um you know through your story is is sport and and baseball in particular you had to make it fun you i mean because your your journey kind of has gone through a lot of different you know teams um at one point you stopped playing um and and did another career and then came back and I think I think that alone is really really uh, intriguing to hear from other athletes, uh, you know, so they can they can like listen to that. And and there is no there is no um, strict structure of how to do this. Um, <laughs> and it seems like fun has been at the core root of of how you approach the game. Can you speak to um, that piece and like your journey of of stopping and coming back? That's a great point. And I think when the game stopped becoming fun to me is when I stepped away from it. It felt like, okay, I got a college scholarship in college after I played all of high school. Okay, yeah, I'll go do that. Okay, I got drafted after college. All right, yeah, I'll do that. And it was just a continual cycle of it was I never felt like it was maybe my choice necessarily to it was just something that the opportunity presented itself. Oh, I'm gonna take that opportunity because it's an amazing opportunity. And as soon as it didn't feel like that I was in an independent league and it just kind of seemed a little bit more I think I was around a lot of negativity as well from older people I was one of the younger players on the team that a bunch of older guys were just complaining and just like didn't see the game in a way I think it kind of took a toll on me and I didn't see the game as fun it just was people just I've got to make it to the major leagues I've got to make it I don't want to why are we playing this and it was like man it's that's affecting my ability to have fun with the game to just like be able to express myself fully on the field, even because you kind of trapped or condemned by all the negativity. It feels like, so it was like, all right, I'm going to step away. I don't want to, I don't want to be these kind of people. And if this is what 30 years old in baseball looks like, then I don't want, I don't want to do that life. So I opened up a business buying and selling houses, a franchise called home investors of America. And because I wanted to build passive income, that's what everybody, that's the, what we're all trying to create. A lot of us are trying to create. And after about four or five months of doing it, and it, it was fine, but man, I missed that team aspect. I missed relationships. I missed, I was doing it solo and the accounting, the financing, calling people. A lot of it just wasn't what I enjoyed doing in life. And you find out quickly that, and man, I think it's very important too to have jobs that you don't like in life because mm-hmm. it, it really puts it back in the detail of what you want to do and where you want to go and what you want to create in your life. So I was at a I was at a wedding and I met a guy that played D three baseball, D three baseball, and he was playing in the Czech Republic. And I was like, Oh, that's I might have some heritage from there. How did you get that? How 
what, what college did you go to? Some D3 school I had never heard of. I was like, how did you get that? Oh, yeah, after my four years, and he had a five ERA. He wasn't even a very good player, but he found a contract through this website called baseballjobsoverseas.com. I was like, could I sign up for that? How do I How do I do that? And we're on the dance floor dancing at this wedding. So like, <laughs> man, I, and I couldn't think of anything else the rest of that night. And I was like, all right, well, let's create a website. Next day, I got in touch with the uh, the founder of the website. And within two weeks, I had 10 offers from different countries. Wow. To play. And I was like, okay, I can stay at this job, try to create you know, a, a long-term growth option that I, you know, is a good option. Or I could continue to travel the world, play baseball, which is what I, I loved doing from the time I was a kid. And more importantly, competing, being with friends, being with people, building relationships, learning culture. That kind of trumps, the, for me, the game of what baseball is because it teaches you that. And I think within within the game, you learn those uh wonderful facets of life and and i think that's why i I wanted to change out of just being a uh a worker (laughs) you know staying in one place i was if i can travel the world on another team's dime and compete let's do that so i went to australia that winter didn't i didn't get paid um i had housing a car they gave me all all of that our team won a state championship in, in australia south australia i played in there uh the professional leagues in Australia as well. I rode my bike to the field of where the professional leagues were, knocked on the door and walked right in. You know, it's not a, a secret recipe of trying to create some video or film and then trying to make it. No, just, man, I biked there on a bike, knocked on the door and sure enough, they, they let me come out and play. It's a, if it, I, I, Go ahead. As as they should, I had a really good resume at the time. I mm-hmm. played in double A. I played at a high level, so I should. But it takes a lot of energy or courage to to do that. I mean, that's uh, you know, that's such a. It's just such a a fun like the way you describe it. It's just fun, you know. And I think, you know, but you make a good point with athletes coming up. You know, like um, whether you're going to college or or what you're thinking about after college, it's a life balance. <clears throat> There's a story or a comment you made about how you learned to slack line with one of your coaches with, with, uh, you know, the analogy of trying to understand that this sport is not your whole life. Like we have to have balance and it's important because it affects our performance. So if we don't have balance off the field or court, it really truly can affect us in our, in our play. Um, and it seems like you, you've really tapped into that, uh, fully. I, think it's a balancing act every single day you know i don't think some days i feel like i'm doing that a great way and other days it's not it's you know every day i think with any type of mental health and in that way of like feeling balanced in that way is day by day and you know just trying to create as much today to make that balance because a balance isn't what i did yesterday or tomorrow it's okay let's let's try to create that today and I think that's part of walking on that stock line. It's all right, let's actually take the steps that we have to do today to do that balance. It isn't, oh, I've reached that point. It's the practice of that balance of that practice, which is so good about the app of the Well You app as well, is the fact that it's the day by day of actually doing it. You can say meditation is great or what or believe in it, but it's the actual practice of doing it. And not just being a, a theorist of it and believing in it, but it's the actual daily practice of the balance, the daily practice of the meditation 
that is ultimately going to give you that feeling. And if you have to think that you are in the past or think that you are in the future, it probably aren't focusing enough today and making that balance or taking the, you know, the time to do the 15 minutes of, a, the, of an app. That's the, that's the, that's the true challenge, right? I mean, you've lived it and done it. So you found a way, I mean, you've had your setbacks. We all have, um, but it's the consistency of being able to affect change and create new behaviors and, and train your mind, you know, to be able to uh, overcome and deal with the adversity in front of you. Um, being a relief pitcher <laughs> presents all the opportunities in the world of sport to uh, have some possible questions or doubts or pressure uh, to do something. Um, how did, tell, tell us how you, how you manage that. And I'm sure you messed up a lot in doing that and figuring out that process. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes from wanting the position, wanting to be in the position initially. And it's, I wasn't maybe thrusted into a position that I felt like there was a, a lot of pressure. It was something when I first started in the minor leagues, I was I wasn't the closer my first season or I was just a reliever and sure that that has its own pressure but it's like well I want to be the best reliever the best reliever pitches the last inning then the ninth inning okay well I want to be that guy so I'm, I want to prove that I'm going to be that guy okay first year doesn't happen it's like okay that's fine next year and I had a good year next year same thing I'm third in line to be closer okay so one guy gets hurt all right now I'm just kind of second you kind of move back from in the bullpen, it's, you go from the seventh inning usually is like maybe the third best pitcher if you want to classify it in that way. And the eighth inning is second best. And then your best relief pitcher would be your closer typically. So I always wanted to be the closer, the one that pitched the last inning of the game. And in my second year, it took me you know, 70% of the season until they put me as the closer. And I was 10 for 10 and saves and we won the championship. Hmm. It was awesome. So I was really excited going into the next year. It's like, all right, now I'm going to be the closer. Boom, no. Third in line again, you know. And then it was just difficult because, you know, you don't really have control where, where they put you into the game. But I think you've got to want to be into those pressure situations if you want to be good at them. You can't you fear them in any way. It was something that I wanted. I, You know, from a young age, if you've envisioned yourself playing at a top level or, the, you know, I've always, when I step on the field, envisioned – and three stories and you know this is yankee stadium shut the eyes mm. boom you know go back so if, if you've envisioned yourself there you want to be in those pressure situations or big time situations so it was something that i always wanted to have so then after i i wasn't there again for someone gets hurt someone gets moved up a different level finally i get that opportunity and then, and then I capitalized on it again. And then finally, my fourth year, they gave me the opportunity to be the closer right away. And I led the minor leagues in saves that year. Man, yeah. that's a huge deal. And then that's kind of what started the international career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then from there, just kind of ran with it, you know, from country to country, did, did well at each different place. Yeah, my agent always tells me kind of like what you said, you kind of write your own book. You know, there's not there's not one script of how to do it. And I've kind of gone a different path that I think a lot of people kind of end, maybe end, a lot of people want to ha have play baseball in different countries and have the opportunities that I've had. But you've got to create those. And you've got to want to play pitch and perform in pressure situations to create those opportunities that are going to 
Yeah. That, so. That's what I love about what you just said is the script is unique to every person and the way you get there and what you need to get there. I mean, and, and what we try to really present is it's just a variety of exercises, sessions, all them to, to, to train your mind because we know there's not one uh, individual approach um, that will work for everybody. Everybody needs something that's unique to themselves to reach what they're doing. And it's never probably going to be the same. And when you're describing what you just described, it sounded really emotional for you in like talking about um, something that you were envisioning or cultivating as a kid being in this pressure moment <laughs> and the length of time in between being a kid and then being in that season where you were the closer and having ultimate success. I mean, that is the definition of process uh, in my mind. <laughs> Sure, twenty you know twenty years in the making, and yeah, and I've I even on the mound in between pitches sometimes I'll you know take a second reflect back to even when I was just throwing a ball against a garage with my brother, you know, and I I relive those moments because I'm still that little kid out there, and I want to make the game as fun as possible, and I want to make it um it, engaging, and I want to I want to remember that I want to remember why I play the game, and you know the fun that it that it is, and just the way that it was just fun to compete with my <laughs> brothers as well. Sometimes, and I think you if you can relive that moment, you can kind of relieve a lot of that stress or that pressure that people kind of maybe can put on you. It's like it's the last inning with the last out, and the game is important. And you need to win to make the playoffs. It's like. I mean, it almost feels like I can put myself with a mental practice, you know, with a type of meditation. It almost feels like I'm just playing when I the same way that I was when I was. Well, that, that's 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 perfect. That's perfect because you know that's that's one of the key um, things that you know I want everyone to know is that, and your your story is right on point with that is that you were practicing pressure all the way from the beginning. It sounded like you were putting yourself in the pressure moment and much like the stories in basketball, like three, two, one, we all did as a kid and you shoot the final shot over and over and over. Yeah, I've done that. I was that kid in the driveway late night doing that three, two, one, man, every night, every night. And then then it became that way in the batting cages of as Mm -hmm. a hitter. It's like, all right, last inning, ninth inning, this is the flip. And it's just trying to put that ultimate focus into that one rep is what it comes down to. Trying to create the importance that I know what that's going to feel like. Boom, I just did it and I did it great. All right, let's do it again. All right, put yourself back in that moment. Here we go. Boom, and doing that again. So you've already done it. I I, I read a good quote just a couple of days ago. It's like, I don't fear the person that's tried 10 thousand different kicks one time i fear the guy that's done one kick ten thousand yeah. times so if, you, if you've already practiced that moment you've been there and you've done that you have a sense of almost like a relief like oh this is it this is it i'm, I'm living is that what made you uh i mean i wonder if relief pitching you know or closing found you or you found it i mean maybe it doesn't really matter actually but you have that skill set and and what is it uh, you think helps you? You talked about focus, you know, the ability to either um, go back to when you were a kid to, to find a comfort zone that you've already kind of lived. Is, is there any mental aspect in your, um, in your experience that has been the, the one that you use the most or the, the one that you found to use to make you successful? Uh, the, I, I think it's the desire for something more. And waking waking up 
you know, with kind of an agenda to how to go about the day and what you're going to accomplish today and to not feel you know, stagnant in place. I, I think trying to motivate yourself on a daily basis to have that type of energy, that type of, I know something is brighter. I know what I want to accomplish. I, I you know, to have that motivation day in and day out. And again, this is a balancing act day by day. This isn't some days you have it and other days you don't, but the more strong that emotion is, the more you can kind of cultivate the most of your energy to, for your workouts, the more focus you can have for, uh, just doing your plyometrics from your stretching, the more focus you can create from the motivation that you have is, um, I think that's what is the biggest mental practice that's helped me is because I've always just felt like I've been able to understand that, man, today and now is the thing that matters. How am I going to make the most of it right now? It's not about, okay, and, and pondering about next week and next year's team or the scholarships or, and I see a lot of I saw a lot of people doing that from high school to college, and then college to professional baseball, then professional baseball to moving up different levels. And it's like, man, they always talked about it. They were always thinking about it. They'll stop a rep in, in the gym because they're like, "Do you think? Do you think I'm going to get moved up?" It's like, you know, haven't thought about that in a couple of days. I'm not sure. I'm just trying to get my workout in right now and be as good as my workout right now as I can be. And I think a lot of people, and it's tough to be able to focus like that because it's always in the back of your mind just like that again within the minor league system it was you know I always had I always had the best numbers but other people moved up before me and it was it just was a you know frustrating and it's kind of one of the other well you apps that you know that I I like is control the controllables you can't you know I can't control who moves up what colleges are going to see me maybe what um, those are all things that that I'm thinking about that's taking me away from my work and what I'm trying to accomplish right now in the day let me let me focus on that and then that's kind of always been my. and that's that's like you know that's just spot on with today's pressure for the youth athletes I think a lot of you know you know how do I get over here how do I get there and like we're, we're we're living in the outcome and we're not living in the moment and and then we wonder why we didn't get to the outcome you know um but yeah, completely. You know, completely. I, I, I really like that. I think that's really important. I think a lot of kids feel that way with travel ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think with the uh, AAU and if they don't make the best team, I think they kind of, I don't I maybe have a sense of maybe they're not good enough. How did they pick me? Yeah, a lot of the times the coaches have picked other people because they like their parents more, you know, <laughs> maybe it's as simple as that. You know, there's so many steps that have zero impact on, on or zero benefit for you to focus on. And the more you can let that go and just focus on your work and how do I become better? What's my long-term vision? Am I focusing on trying to make this travel ball team or am I really trying to focus on if you're you know, 12 to 15 at that point, let's focus on which colleges am I going to go to? Let's go past that level of what's important right now or today or what team am I going to get drafted by? Which player am I trying to emulate? Trying to focus a little more on myself and how to get better is so much more important than trying to control something that is completely out of you. I'm really happy you talked about that to travel ball and the, and the youth athlete. Um, there's a, there's a big need and um, desire to support that process with, you know, either the political things that happen with, you know, youth sports um, and just focusing on your game because your body's developing. You don't know what's going to happen in two years and people are always leapfrogging people, but, 
the sad part is the discouragement from like, oh, I didn't make this team. I'm not good enough. Like you mentioned, um, I think that's that's one area that we really need to help our our youth kind of overcome and train their ability to believe in themselves. Um, focus. We come back to that word a lot and focus off the field. You've, you've seen, uh, you seem to like mastered that in some regard to be able to like focus on building your body, your physical presence to do what you need to do, uh, building your mind to focus in the moment. Uh, take me to the mound. Take me to the mound when things go wrong. Uh, you know, you need to save the game. Uh, what, what's the process for you? Like, what have you learned through your experience? Um, and how did you get better at dealing with that? We all make mistakes, right? Or there's pressure building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I've had bad outings to where I felt like I, man, I don't ever, can I get anybody out? Am I, am I, you know, and I've questioned myself and it's, man, how, how can, let me step back take a deep breath. I have a video clip. The older I got, I would have video that Mm. I would watch that I really enjoyed. And I could kind of shut my eyes and reflect back to that video because I've seen it so many times. I've watched myself dominate and I know that feeling and I recreate that feeling. I think that's something that really helped me. When When I was in college, I used to always spray cologne on my glove just so I could if something bad was going on, I would, I would just smell that and kind of, it would take me back to a, a better place, you know, just like a, a much, Hey, this, this situation isn't that important. It's just a game. And that it, is, it, it can yeah, relax. that's super interesting because, uh, uh, that's the first time I've heard of that actually. And like, it's genius when you think about it, because the old factory senses is one of our, our greatest senses that can immediately take us to another place and comfort, right? Like, I mean, is a huge industry of essential oils and candles that are uh, de-stressing and the smells. And I mean, that is genius. Yeah. I don't, I don't think uh, I've come across that. Yeah. Maybe someone needs to cultivate what smell it is for you and then find like an oil leather that they could put it on your glove, which helps it and gives you that, that sense of uh, <laughs> that sense of calmingness. And I think whenever you can have that sense of calm, it's all right, this pressure, it kind of, it's, Almost that's whenever you take a cold shower, that 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 sense of relief, or there's just a, a little sense of, all right. And as soon as you do that, okay, now you're ready to go back there. But sometimes it's tough to be able to feel that and to create that. But you have to be able to take yourself away, and you're not going to be able to take yourself away if you don't practice mm. taking yourself away like that. You can't just imagine, you know, find yourself there all of a sudden and then try to get there because you'll probably be frantic and trying to try, how do I get, how do, you haven't practiced it. If you haven't practiced it, you're not going to be able to re- remove yourself. From that's the, you. that's what I'm hearing now um, is what you're saying is you were practicing pressure and calm uh, all the time. I mean, it, it sounds like it became kind of second nature to you at some point in which, you know, uh, pressure, you see it, you, you know what this is. And immediately you've practiced it so many times you, you go to calm so I can perform. Yeah. And, but it isn't denouncing that the pressure is there. It's a kind of Mm -hmm. accepting it. Even just before this phone call, you know, almost felt a little bit of pressure, almost the same kind of like uh, about to compete in a game. It's, you know, it's, it's fun to have something to want and to, um, be passionate about to do something that you want to do in life. And if it isn't like that, uh, it's kind of tough to have the, uh, 
you know, the want to be calm. I urge you to, to feel the pressure. You want to, you have to want to feel the pressure and then calm yourself from that. And then, because if you don't want to have any pressure, you can just go play, you can go play outside or, you know, go, go do something that isn't very competitive. But if you want to be a professional sports player, you've got to want the pressure. You've got to almost crave it. And, you know, yeah, I want that. And then be have the ability I'm going to be the most calm and not even I'm going to be calm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be the most calm and having that call, you know, trying to be the most confident in your calmness. I'm a steady, I'm, I'm more steady and just trying to be as calm as you can in the pressure situations. Yeah. Always trying to create that from a young age, even to now, you know, I think about playing later in my life and I, I'm still doing that. It's a daily practice. Again, this isn't something that, that I, I uh, accomplished and now I don't have to do it anymore or that that I know will be there in the future. It's, hey, if I don't do it today, I'm probably a little, I, I won't be as good tomorrow as what I could have been if I was yeah. practiced again today. And that's what I, I love again about the app. It, it's kind of holds you, holds me a little bit more accountable for it. It's, I think, and I need that. It, and, and that like, Everything that speaks to, you know, volumes to moving towards our fears, moving towards the pressure you know, instead of away from it, but moving towards it with, you know, a set of tools, you know, we, we're not blindly walking in. Um, but, you know, to be able to be successful, it sounds like you really took on the challenge of stepping into the moment, the pressure. Um, but it wasn't like you were walking in blind, you know, um, for yourself, you did the training, you, you understood what it took or takes to, for you, you know, and everyone's different to, to be the best, you know, physical presence of yourself, you know, by using your mind to get there. Um, so that's, that's just a beautiful thing. Um, blocking out those distractions using the cologne, you know, I mean, I think I'm, uh, you know, I still play sports obviously here and there. I don't compete, but I'm, I'm definitely going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, to use that method here and there, um, for myself. Um, so we're in a new age. We're in like, obviously lots of going on in the world right now. You, uh, um, have been able to travel the world and play sports. Can you, uh, step into that conversation about maybe some of the stereotypes, um, discrimination, you know, there's so many things culturally that are happening on, um, you know, different levels in sports and you're traveling and playing on all these different teams. Were you running into stereotypes even uh, towards yourself or other players? And was there a uh, team cohesion that overcame that? Can you, can you speak on that? Yeah. And there's definitely a language within sport that kind of like what you said, cuts right through any type of divide that there is. You can walk in a clubhouse in a baseball clubhouse in probably any different country and kind of you feel welcomed because you're one of the baseball players. So you kind of automatically have a sense of uh, comfort that you maybe don't have if you're outside of that clubhouse. And it's amazing that sport is provides that to, to people and gives them that ability. And that's why the encourage to play all sports is, is uh, a very beneficial thing. Uh, I don't feel like I've, been stereotyped too much maybe just from a scouting aspect and I was smaller I was a small pitcher and there's pr- probably under five percent of the pitchers in baseball mm. six feet and under five ten so there's definitely a stereotype wow. of size I, I think that uh, I think that's one of the ones that is 
often tough to but again it's out of your control so it's you know it's tough to focus on that but when you see the numbers you see the statistics it's i always thought maybe i could have mm-hmm. been drafted a little bit higher or i could have gone gone to a bigger university if i were six foot two uh, i think that's some of the stereotypes that that i've i've felt personally and i i've seen other people think that i can't i can't get seen because mm. i'm at a smaller school I'm, uh, you know, scouts aren't going to see me. I can't go to these big schools because, you know, I, I was in West Virginia as a high school kid. And a, a lot of people talked about that or even travel ball. I can't compete against these guys. They don't even know who I am. They don't, they they wouldn't recruit me. And I always heard from different people, if you're good enough, that they'll find a way. They'll, they'll find you. And I, I feel that's very, very true. Having, and I bought into that belief at a young age, if you're good enough, people are going to find who you are. And I, I think some people feel like that even in, in playing in Australia. They're like, how am I going to mm. make it to the major leagues in America? It's like, and I, I heard people say that there's, there's not many scouts at these games. And right then you're just focusing on things that aren't developing you in your career. And I think a lot of some of their best players were focusing on that. And it was fun to be over there. I watched a guy sign with the Phillies and was signed with the White Sox. And they were trying to transition into having more players sign. The baseball is getting a lot higher at that level. But it's, you know, and even telling them that that's not helping you to believe that that's that's a limiting factor to your growth of the game. Sure, maybe it's true compared to other people. But think if, if you're trying to play baseball in like Cambodia, India, you think there are any scouts there? <laughs> you know, think of yourself relative to somebody else in a worse position than you so that you're not just trying to think, oh, I'm not in New York City or Houston or San Diego where there's scouts all over the place. OK, well, yeah, at least you're in a place where there's people and there's baseball and there's people that are you have games going on. So I think finding that relativity, some people you want to feel that you know, victimhood of like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't have it as good as these other people have it, but it's not, it's not that. Okay. Well, take yourself in the complete contrary view of that and put yourself as somebody that's lucky to be able to be doing what you're doing. And the more you can put yourself in that situation and then focus on yourself, I think you can dissolve those type of either stereotypes or negativity that you've heard about your or maybe your team or your city or your situation or for me, my size. It's not, that's, that's just what I've heard and seen. That doesn't mean that's how it's going to be. And I think it's having that kind of vision is it helped me a lot. I think in the pitching that ninth inning, because I always thought, well, what's the difference actually, if you're just talking statistically of the ninth inning versus the first inning, I mean, like there's really the importance of the inning I would probably say that more of the games are won in the first inning. Mm. The team that takes the lead has more of an importance. I got, right by then, I've taken a lot of that pressure off myself because I kind of believe – I don't even know if what everybody's saying about the pressure in the ninth inning is really all that much pressure. I think it's yeah. the game is more won in that first inning. And I think and, and it's funny to watch baseballs kind of turn that way. They've almost put – now they've put relievers, their best relievers, into that first and second inning called mm-hmm. openers. Like the Tampa Bay Rays started doing that a couple years ago. It was something that I kind of like. That's this value that they're putting is just a pressure that isn't even real. Right? Teams different adopt different strategies, uh, and you know, there's so many things like in our in my field and and what we do at Well U. I mean, this is what we train for, right? We train to the mental side. I mean, we were athletes and are athletes to some extent still, but but I mean, I think 
I mean, athletes can be the best teachers, you know, like you don't need to have necessarily uh, all this mental training uh, education. Like if you're aware and you use it um, and you really want to learn, you start to adopt some of those principles. I mean, you're talking self-talk right now, like in your head, you're on the mound, you're, you're giving yourself, you know, strategies. You're, you're talking to yourself about like this, this, this moment is, is, not like the whole world is on my shoulders right now. Like I just need to approach this like I would every other pitch when I'm pitching my best. And so, you, you know, you're using all those, those kind of mental strategies that probably you develop just naturally to some extent um, in, in trying to find a way to get better. For sure. Whenever you're competing and if I'm losing, Hey, let's try a different kind of approach. Let's look at something else in between pitches. Let's clear my head and go to a different thought. Oh, well, that was a good pitch. Let's stay there. You know, let's stay with that mental thought. It's, you know, having that flexibility to um, have a, have a routine, but then as soon as you have that, that, you know, discipline creates freedom in the fact of, man, I've got that routine. I've got what I usually do. Okay. Well, let's tweak it just a little bit to uh, try to create something that's more powerful. That That's better to try to make myself as good as I can be. Yeah. I think that mental strategy is always developing because it's so much, when you see guys that can compete and be the best that have tiny bodies, large bodies, different colors. None of that matters within sport. It's just kind of what's between your ears and it's fun to watch people and you can learn so much from them by just kind of how they carry themselves. And then, you know, the best thing about playing in a a minor leagues with 250 people is 250 (laughs) people to ask, you know, how do they do it? What are they thinking? And it's so beneficial to do that from, even from a young age, I competed against older players, but just asking them questions and being attentive is know watching how they're going to do it it's is it's not you know you're not looking for mechanics you're not looking for any type of uh structure mm-hmm. in a way you're just kind of like what's the mindset like how did you how, how did you do that and they're not going to tell you about how you are your hands or your feet it's a lot of the time it's just that mentality and it's fun to learn from different people's mentalities and it kind of shifts over time it's a long process and, and we're teachers as we get further down the road and what we do um and i wanted to end and segue towards you know, your thoughts towards, you know, younger athletes and or even parents of younger athletes that are coming up and, you know, moving into maybe the next level, you know, high school to college or college to pro. What 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 do you offer up from your own experience, from your perspective um, that you would like to convey to the younger athlete that is uh, in the beginning of their journey? I think that you really, I've read a little bit about your story and how you really enjoy self-authoring and, you know, understanding your, your story. And I think that's really important to understand and to make your story as good as you can be. One of the interesting facets of being in the United States and talking to many people, and I've seen a lot of polls that suggest that many people in the United States believe that they're the center of their own story. They're creating their own story. And You've got to embrace your story and love it and try to make it as good and Mm. project it in the way that you want. And don't, don't follow too many people's don't focus on mechanics and trying to be perfect in that. I I do that a lot, I think, and it's a negative thing that I'm trying to create something that it isn't there by trying to uh, focus on certain points in, in a mechanic, as opposed to just trying to have fun with the game build relationships, be as good as you can be with a very long-term growth projection and just focus on 
on that, uh, focus on having fun and, and competing and owning your story and being as confident with it as, as possible and trying to practice that. Want the pressure and want to be able to calm yourself in the pressure. Creating your own story and you know, staying focused on, on what's in front of you, like focus on you. I love that. I love that so much because especially in the era of social media that we're seeing and like who's doing this over here and how do they do it? And like, I need to be at this point at this moment and I'm not. Um, and your point is spot on with the development of sports right now in terms of staying focused on you, staying focused on you and your path, your story, uh, who you are, what you need. Um, you know, enjoying the moment uh, as much as you can. Um, That's how I came across, Will, you is because that I was trying mm. to find a base for younger people to have more, have more of a foundation of not of trying to make a certain team or I see a lot of these travel ball teams that just show about making money. They've got 12 different teams. How do you get on one of these teams? And it's just as a money grab. I feel like within the industry and that's not the best way for growth and development. You, you've got to just go out there and have fun. And I'm a good example of that. When I lost my fun, I kind of didn't want to play anymore. And I think a lot of people lose that whenever you can't be a part of that team. And I think it cuts people out too much of what travel ball is. And it's a game. We're playing a game. So let's make it that way. Make it as fun as possible and let's let's set growth individually let's set goals that we can all accomplish and focus on our long-term growth of us as individuals as opposed to the teams and <laughs> how many more travel ball teams are going to be how many you know and just take pride in yourself take pride in it. those teams don't matter if they want me i'd i'd I might not even want them. I just want to do what I want to do and having that vision. I think that's super empowering and I, and I I really, you know, want that message to be loud and clear is, you know, focusing on your, your belief, your power, your strengths, um, and and don't be disempowered by everything that may be happening around you. Um, and so I, I appreciate so honored and thankful for you to share your story because you, you, you know, everybody has a perspective that we can learn from. And I love yours because it, it's, it was, you know, the journey is, is, is like you said, it's not like the perfect script and you got to stick with the process. Um, how, how do people find you or can reach out to you? Uh, you know, especially the baseball players out there. I'm sure a lot of younger baseball players you could, could really touch and reach. Sure. I'm, uh, I work for a company called Baseball Jobs Overseas, that same one that allowed me to play this game. Now I'm the pro leagues recruitment manager. So if you're a college or high school guy, I usually get, make a profile for you, put you on the website. Hopefully we do over, over 200 wow. contracts per year around the world, which is fascinating. You, you, yeah, you can find me on baseballjobsoverseas.com. Uh, on Twitter, A underscore R-I-K, my name. And on uh, that's that's on Instagram. On Twitter, it's A Psychologist. So thankful that you uh, are on here talking um, and your message is so important. Um, so I, I want to thank you for that and sharing your story and your mindset. Again, thank you so much. We're going to close with that and um, best of wishes to you and, and we'll, we'll keep in touch. All right. Thanks, Ami. Well, hi, Ami. Thank you so much. This is 
your mental coach debrief from the podcast interview you did with Eric Sakula. So what do you think about your conversation with Eric? Hey, Brian, thanks. Yeah, Eric was uh, just a pleasure to talk to because he had so much mental skills training that he had already um, adopted for himself through his practice. Um, so it was just it was his joy to like kind of learn from him a little bit on his process. I did I did think we keep seeing a common theme in terms of like, you know, people start out in one sport and, and perhaps switch to another sport. Um, and for him, this was true as well with, you know, really loving basketball. Um, but ended up pursuing baseball, um, some of which may have been attributed to size, right? You, you know, but um, I think that's that's interesting to continue to see that theme kind of come up. Yeah, size does tend to be a limiting factor for a lot of younger athletes, I think. But at the same time, when you can look past that size and just find the joy and in sport, and like he said a lot, being able to express yourself through sports it's really important for that story that you write for yourself for the rest of your life. Um, one of the things that he did talk a lot about was how he, he needed to practice pressure situations. I mean, even as a kid, those three, two, one, and hitting the game-winning shot in basketball or getting that last out on the baseball field or getting that game-winning hit. What did you think about that part of the conversation? Yeah, I think that was a huge thing to pick up on there, Brian, because he he mentioned that you have to want the pressure, but you also have to be able to access calm. Um, I think I think those two things are are those two concepts are huge in in sports when you get to higher and higher levels, and I I think that was one of the biggest components to his. Um, you know, his pitching and being a reliever, mind you, because that <laughs> that creates even more pressure, right? Being a reliever at um, kind of, you're not the starter, you're the re- you're coming in to, to save the day, essentially. So it is a very, you know, very specific skill set, specifically for a relief pitcher, right? I mean, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think so. Well, one of the things that he said as part of his advice, but it's definitely something that we always come into when we're working in the field is that exposing yourself to those pressure situations and wanting to be good at them. Like actually wanting to have those moments is really important to normalizing them and being able to perform in them eventually. And I think you mentioned this in our conversations about that, that moment when you were discussing him earning his closer role and how important that was for him, but how challenging it was. Um, it's, it's a process, right? And, and it takes time. And there's definitely some pieces of that, especially when you're trying to get a role that you really want and you set a goal around it. There's some pieces to that that you can't control. And you just hope that your actions speak for themselves. Brian, you nailed it in terms of like being able to like continue on this path, not necessarily having all the outcomes. And he he experienced that, you know, trying to become the the number one reliever. And he had shared a story in which he was able to come in and, and save the game and and earn that that role. But it took him four years or so to get to that point. And I can hear it in his voice, the emotion coming through, because I mean, that's all the process and training leading up to like a defining moment. Um, but I got to ask you about his his use of the cologne. He used cologne in his glove, which, you know, when I was talking to him on the podcast, I thought it was amazing. I'm like, oh, my God, the sense of smell. Right. We always talk about using our senses. What did you think about that? 
Yeah, I think it works. I was relating my own experiences with different sports, you know, recreationally or actually competitively and thinking about, okay, uh, the smell of the grass when you step on the field or on the course, right? Or just like the smell of sweat even in the gym or the smell of chlorine at the pool. And, and it brings you right back into those environments. But one of the things that I picked up on for him, it brings him to the moment in the middle of a performance, you know, smelling the leather of his glove or the cologne that he's wearing and, and using that to trigger a memory. And, and it's kind of like a, we talk about this, too, in terms of um, situational confidence or skill based confidence, this this idea of self-efficacy. It brings you back to a past peak moment or pleasurable moment that elicits that positive emotion that helps you perform better. So it's a great tool to have in your tool bag, your, your mental toolbox to use. I think it's a it's a really great reminder for everybody else. Yeah, and that that whole piece in terms of, you know, continuing to find your peak performance uh, was a theme that he spoke of. Um, and and we talk about this a lot in, in our app and and our sessions of, of training the mind is, is that concept of fun. You know, what did you think about his his idea of fun as it relates to baseball? Yeah, fun is what kept him coming back to the game and being able to express himself as part of that fun. And you see that a lot too with different sports, that individual expression of just joy and, and love of the game and, and being able to be in those moments and come through. You know, I, I think that's really important. Um, it's, it's becoming even more important in, in today's sporting world, being able to express your opinion and being able to express yourself through movement so um, I totally can resonate with that and, and can see how a lot of people can use that. But, uh, but yeah, there, there's a ton of great takeaways from this interview. And I just want to thank you, Ami. You did such a great job uh, having this conversation with Eric. And, and I hope we get to follow Eric's story even more and, and learn more from what he has to share in the future. you have a desire to be great in what you do and a keen interest in the mental aspects of performance, then you're in the right place. Well You Mental Training seeks to push the edge of the mental game through evidence-based practices and stories from athletes similar to the one you're listening to today. Your collaboration matters as part of this process, so please head over to iTunes and leave us a review with your honest feedback on the podcast. We'd love to hear what you have to say. If you are as excited about the mental training stories you are hearing as we are, please share this podcast with your friends, family, and teammates too. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WellUApp. That's W-E-L-L-U-A-P-P. And learn more about the work our mental coaches are doing through LinkedIn and Facebook.